All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. And I'd like to start our time today with a story. It's been a little while since we've had a story, so let's do it. Story time. So right after I finished seminary from 2012 to 2015, my wife and I attended a church plant in Schenectady called Harmony Fellowship. It was in the inner city. And when I say inner city, I mean the inner city of the inner city. This thing was in the inner city. It was in a really rough area. And one of the ministries of the church uh, that they did every single week was a food pantry. And so my pastor would show up, and for hours he would hand out food to people. And people would come from literally all over the place, and they would receive food that could nourish their bodies, and they would receive the gospel that could nourish their souls. Talk about a win-win. I remember going there one day and just seeing all of this happen and just marveling. It was awesome to watch, and it was really cool to be a part of, too. And as I was standing there, a guy walked up to my pastor. He asked my pastor if he had any money so he could go buy food up the road. My pastor smiled, and he was a very jovial man. He has this uh, very strong laugh, and so he smiled and started laughing a little bit because we were literally giving out food all day long at the food pantry. So he lovingly told the man that we had a food pantry happening at that exact moment, and all that man had to do was go inside and get what he, was, what, what he needed. Well, then the man looked at my pastor, uttered a bunch of really nasty expletives at him, which I will not say because I know where we are, told him just how little he cared for people and stormed off in a huff. I just stood there and watched. My mouth was just like watching this whole thing go down and watched as my pastor laughed it off and continued handing out food to meet the physical and spiritual need of people in that area. So, question, why am I sharing this story? Well, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Jesus feeding the crowds and the response to him that day after day, and that the day he did it, and then really truly the day after. Well, today, all of this, this whole thing we've been looking at in John 6 is going to hit its climax, and we're going to see the same kind of response to Jesus that that man that in the story I just shared had to my pastor. We're going to see how Jesus dealt with it, and despite people's adverse reactions to him, Jesus' words, big picture, here it is, Jesus' words were full of the spirit and life. No matter how people responded to him, his words were full and overflowing with the spirit and life. And that's exactly what they needed. And guess what? That's exactly what we need too. So I want to pray for us and then hopefully watch our video clip for this morning and then dive into this section, kind of the, the ending of John chapter 6. So let's pray and then go into this together, shall we? 
So, Father, I want to thank you that we've been taking some time to go through the Gospel of John, and specifically this chapter in John chapter 6. Thank you that, uh, that this chapter so clearly lays out that you are the bread of life. And you know that all of us, Lord, are coming in here today with deep needs. Every single one of us here have needs only you could meet. And Lord, sometimes we're not even aware of what those needs are, but you are the one that meets them. You are the one that we're looking for. No matter where we are, you're the one that we need. So Lord, I just pray that as we look at this passage, that you would be drawing hearts to yourself, that your Holy Spirit would be moving, removing blindness from our eyes, deafness from our ears, hardness from our hearts, that you would show us more clearly how much we need you, and that you would be bread for our hungry souls today. And it's really cool that after church today, Lord, we have a banquet, a feast, a a barbecue that we can celebrate ministry, and it's just practice for the banquet that we're going to be invited to when you come back. So thank you, Lord, that we can uh, practice together today. Help us to feast on you, feast on your word, see how you meet our deepest spiritual need. And I pray that you do that now as we look at John 6. So please open this passage to us. Help us understand it and help us have a great time as we look at it. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood 
remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? And what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea, because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. All right. So that's the ending of John 6. It's uh, pretty interesting stuff. Like I said, it's going to hit its climax. Let's walk through this a little bit. So we'll start in verses 41 and 42. So yeah, have your Bibles. You can pull there. We actually can have it on the screen too. So let's go. John 6, 41 and 42. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So John tells us the Jews are grumbling at Jesus. They don't understand what he's talking about. 
verse 42, shows us this. They say, listen, we know your father, Joseph. We know your mother, Mary. How in the world that you, can you say that you came down from heaven? That's crazy talk to feel their angst with Jesus. Think back to what it was like when you first got saved. Someone shared with you that God, the Son, came into this earth. He was born just like us. He lived just like we did. Then this carpenter started saying stuff like he was God in the flesh and that he was Israel and the world's Messiah or Savior. Remember the first time you heard that? What was your response? How did you feel when you first heard that? What did you think when you first heard that? How did you feel when someone told you that despite all your best efforts, that you couldn't save yourself with your good works, that you actually were not a good person, and that you actually needed Jesus to save you? How did that sit with you at first? What was it like when you first heard that you needed Jesus' blood to wash away your sins? His blood. How did that sit with you? To what? Wash away your sins? And how did it land on you that Jesus did exactly that for you? That he came, lived a perfect life, shed his blood on the cross, died, and then rose from the dead, all so that when we trust him, our sins could be paid for in full and taken out of the way so that we can be given the righteousness of God to cover us when we trust in him. Remember how foreign all that stuff sounded to us before we met Jesus. Remember that. And so please keep that in mind as we talk to people about Jesus today. Sometimes the words that we just know really easily, really well, kind of familiar words are very foreign to people. They're like, what are you talking about? that Jesus, you have to trust him and his blood, his death, like all that stuff is so foreign to people now. So just keep that in mind. I want to encourage us not to take for granted that people have no idea who Jesus really is anymore. We too were blind until God opened our eyes. So what is our posture toward people who don't yet know Jesus? How can we have compassion for them? to remember we were right there too before God opened our eyes and drew us to him. Well, let's see where Jesus goes next. Take a look, verses 43, 44. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus just comes out here and says, guys, stop grumbling. Your grumbling can't change the truth. I think sometimes if people can just vocalize how much they don't believe God or Jesus or the Bible, that that will somehow make it not true. (laughs) But the wonderful reality is that our belief in Jesus or lack thereof doesn't change the truthfulness of his coming the reality of his existence, one bit. Our belief in it or our non-belief in it doesn't change the truthfulness of his existence, one iota. So Jesus tells them, stop grumbling. He then tells them that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. Man, isn't that humbling true to remember that? That we weren't the ones who were so smart to figure out that Jesus was God. God opened our eyes to see that. He drew us, and we responded. 
So let's keep that in mind as well as we talk with and meet people. The Father is drawing people. So one cool experiment that we could try is pray that God would lead you the people that he's drawing. Have you ever tried that? It's a really cool experiment. God, lead me to the people you're already working on. Lead me to the people that you're drawing to yourself and expect him to answer that and watch what he does. It's pretty awesome as we do this to hear what people say. I have different family members, as you know, that love to talk to to people about Jesus. So, uh, man, it's great to watch different family members just start conversations with people and and then to, to hear people's stories. Nine times out of ten, you'll hear people say, you know, I have a believing parent or grandparent who's been praying for me for years. Isn't it interesting that you're sharing Jesus with me today? It's kind of like they were praying for me, and this is a divine appointment. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course it is. They've been praying for you. And God literally just brought us together at exactly the right time. You ever have that happen? Isn't that amazing how God just does that? Sometimes when we pray for it, sometimes when we're not even, it's not even on our radar. He just brings us into someone's presence who he's drawing to himself. It's awesome to watch God draw people to himself. So Jesus tells the crowds this. He tells them that people don't come to God unless they're drawn but he promises that those, to, those who do come to Jesus, they will be raised up in the last day. So in other words, the ones who come to Jesus are the ones who will live forever with him. Isn't that great? Have you come to Jesus here today? The promise is, if you have, if you've responded in faith and have trusted Christ, he will raise you up on the last day. You can take that to the bank and cash that one. That's a promise from God himself. If you've trusted Christ for salvation and he has saved you, you are saved and he will raise you up in the last day. Isn't that awesome? Does that get anyone excited? Okay, that's good. I'm like, check the pulse. I don't know. Maybe we need to eat. I don't know. All right, let's keep on moving. Let's take a look at verses 45 through 48 before I get in trouble. All right. He continues, verse 45 through 48. It's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. I thought it was kind of cool in the video. Remember this part? Like Jesus is literally like looking into the camera and looking at us as he's saying this, right? It's kind of a cool part. So Jesus reminds them of the scriptures, how the prophets told us over and over again that God is always at work teaching and drawing us to himself. The result of this is those that hear the Father and learn from him come to Jesus and believe in him. And man, that is such good news, that God is at work drawing people to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus and believe in him, they get eternal life. In other words, when they come to Jesus and believe in him, Jesus, who is eternal life, moves into them. Isn't that exciting? that when we trusted Christ, he who is eternal life moved into us. Isn't that awesome? 
that eternal life is a person and he is in us. God gives us himself. And that is an awesome truth that God himself by the spirit is now in us. And just in case they weren't listening, Jesus reminds them again that this is what every person on the planet needs. We need something that can satisfy our deepest hunger. Jesus tells us that he is the bread of life. He is the one that satisfies deeply. Take a look at how he continues this train of thought, verses 49 through 51. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I give, that I will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. So because this group was so fixated on Moses and the law and manna, Jesus reminds them that God gave their ancestors bread from heaven, but they all died. It filled them physically, but it didn't touch their spiritual need. But in verse 50, he tells them that another better bread came down from heaven. And the promise is if you eat this bread, you will not die. Jesus elaborates, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. In other words, I am the real thing. I am alive. And anyone who partakes of me, anyone who eats my flesh, will live forever. Now, Jesus is going to start saying some stuff here that at first glance, you're like, what is he talking about? Eat his flesh? Drink his blood? What? But we're going to go there. See what a see how people respond to this. Again, remember the crowds in John. Whenever Jesus says stuff like this, they have no idea what he's saying. Take a look, verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You are giving us your flesh to eat? Like your body is a piece of meat that we're going to gnaw on? What are you talking about? Again, Think back to what it was like before you met Jesus. Imagine coming to church and it's your first time. Maybe it's your first time here and you're like, oh, this is weird. What are you talking about, man? You grab out the hymnal if it's, you know, that kind of church where you look up on the, the words on the screen and you're like being, talking about being plunged in Jesus' blood. Just think about the imagery of that for a moment. And you've never heard that before. And everyone's singing it, hands raised, like, you're going to be plunged in Jesus' blood. What are you talking about? or a fountain filled with blood, or remembering the Lord's body and his blood. Remember how crazy that sounded at first? So let's be a little, you know, careful with these people because they're hearing this and they're like, what in the world are you saying? That's us before we met Christ. So these crowds, man, they have no clue what Jesus is talking about. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Well, let's see how Jesus clarifies it for them. Take a look, verses 53 through 56. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Anyone confused yet? Anyone like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? So Jesus tells him, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Taken literally, sounds like Jesus is saying we have to literally eat his body and literally drink his blood to be saved. Now, is that what he's saying here? Sounds like it. No. Just like we eat food and it goes into our body, we need to eat Jesus, i.e. take him inside of us. Now, how do we get Jesus on the inside of us? What is the gospel of John all about? Starts with a B, ends with elif. <laughs> right? John uses it 98 times in this gospel. The word belief, right? He talks about it over and over again, about faith and belief. As you know, there are some traditions that take this verse or these verses literally. I grew up going to churches like this. I was taught that when someone blessed the bread, it literally turned into the body and blood of Christ. It's hard not to think that when you read this passage. But when you take the gospel, the gospel of John as a whole, and you understand these pressing into um, when he's pressing into uh, belief in the gospel, when, you say, when he says stuff like, I am the door, I am the shepherd to the sheep, I am the vine, you are the branches, I am the resurrection and life, he says these things in this gospel. He's calling for belief in him. We know from the gospel he's using these, uh, these strong word pictures, these metaphors, right? When he talks to Nicodemus, you must be born again. I got to go do what? Remember how people hear these things. I am the living water. He's talking to the woman at the well. She's like, sir, you don't have a bucket. No, no, not that kind of water. I am the bread of life. You're going to give us your... So you see this thing happening. He's talking on one thing, deep spiritual truth, and people are going to understand him physically. So keep that in mind as we look at this stuff. For those who have believed in him, past tense, look at the present promises. We have life in him. We have right now eternal life, and we will be raised up, and we remain in him. So these are some amazing promises from Jesus, but there's more, right? You're still with me. There's more. There's always more with Christ. Take a look at some more promises with Christ here, verses 57 and following. As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So there is a real present tense reality to these things. Just as the living Father sent Jesus and he lived because of the, the Father, the one who feeds on Jesus will live because of him. So this is an invitation to life right now, to not just believe on Jesus once, right? I believed on him 1997, March 15th, 1997. Still remember the date. That's the moment I placed my faith in Christ. 
And the moment that happened, I went from being dead to being alive. He took out my old dead heart, gave me a brand new heart, took out that old dead spirit that was dead and I was enslaved to sin. He took that part of me out and crucified that, right? And gave me a new spirit, alive to God and placed his Holy Spirit inside me. All that stuff happened the moment I was saved, right? So what, the question is, what happens at salvation? What really happens to you the moment you put your faith in Christ? All that stuff happens. But now he's talking about how do we keep growing in that? We keep feeding on Christ. There's a present tense reality to it. This is an invitation to life right now to keep feeding on Christ, not just to believe Jesus once for me, 1997, be like, good, I'm done, but to keep feeding on Jesus every day, to keep looking to him in faith moment by moment, to feed on him and to keep feeding on him. It's kind of like saying, you know, I had a great meal Christmas time last year. Man, that was a great Christmas meal. We had ham from the mission. Oh, man. And with all the trimmings, it was such a great meal. Oh, I can't wait for this Christmas because we're going to have another great meal. Can anyone do that here? Have one meal a year and hopefully make it all the way to next Christmas and have another meal on Christmas. That's not how things work, right? That's not how it works. We die. So Jesus is telling us to keep feeding on him. It's like what we talked about before. Salvation has a past tense, a present tense, and a future tense to it. We were saved. We are being saved. And one day we will completely be saved, right? That's how awesome this thing is. And I think our closing song is Living Hope, which kind of fleshes this out. We were saved, we're being saved, and one day we'll be completely saved. We ate of Jesus when we believed in him. We continue to feed on Jesus every day. And one day we will sit down to the feast of feasts in the kingdom and eat with Jesus. And to, today we get to practice that. That's kind of cool. So how are you feeding and how are we feeding on Jesus these days? What kind of things are helping us grow in that love, that attachment, that, that connection with Christ? Seeing the track record of the crowds, do you think they're going to get this? Raise your hand if you think they're going to get it. Okay. Uh, I don't even see any hands up. Okay. No, they're not going to get it. Take a look, verse 60. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So notice here who's having a hard time with it. Not just the crowds now. You got disciples having a hard time with this. So after all this talk about eating him and continually feeding on him, they finally just throw their hands up in the air and say, man, this is, this is hard stuff, Jesus. Who can accept this? Well, Jesus knows this is challenging, and so he addresses them. Take a look. Verses 61 through 65. But Jesus, knowing in himself, not just the crowds now, but that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So Jesus addresses the disciples. Guys, does this stuff offend you? You haven't seen anything yet. Just wait till I die on the cross. Wait till I raise from the dead. Wait till I ascend back to the Father in heaven. All these things are offensive to people, but listen to the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. He continues with a great verse, right? The flesh doesn't count for anything. But my words, they are full of the Spirit and life, even though some are going to be offended by them. I think this is so important to grasp that Jesus' words are filled with the Spirit and they are filled with life. Is that how we look at his word? That it is filled with him. Every page is dripping with him, saturated with him. That every story whispers his name, as the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. So what is your posture toward the scripture these days? Is it rote? Boring? There's another thing to do. Ever get there? Sometimes we get stuck in a rut. If so, I want to just encourage us, maybe try something different with it. Read it with Jesus. Ask him what he wants you to know about a passage. Like, ask him, Jesus, I'm reading this book, I'm reading this passage. What do you want me to know about this? You're the author. You knew why you wrote this. What do you want me to know about it? Read until he stops you. Read until you see him. My old mentor used to say, read until you read. He was like Yoda with some of these little quips he would say, right? He would just leave, you know, just say a little parable and you just leave it with me. I'm like, what do you want? Read until you read? What, what are you talking about? That's exactly what you're doing. You're reading. He's like, no, read until you read. You know, I'm like, okay. And he'd just like walk away and I'm like, all right, I'll read until I read. Do you get it? Read until you read, right? And that's the thing about God's word. In the world we live in, it's going to offend people. It just is. The ways of God and the ways of the world are so diametrically different from each other. So expect that as you read. As we get deeper into the last days, we'll see in Scripture that a great winnowing is going to happen. Jesus said it. People are going to fall away. They're going to leave their first love. The love of many will grow cold. They will fall away from the faith that's why staying close to Jesus with as many lifelines as we can is so ridiculously important because there are currents and forces right now that are actively pulling God's people away from him. Notice in verses 64 and 65 that Jesus talks about this. He says that there's going to be some that walk away and not believe, like Judas, like others. But for others, they're gonna, they are going to respond to the Father's drawing and come to Jesus. And not just come once, but keep coming and keep believing and keep feeding on him. But all this is connected to the Father's drawing and our responding to him. So after saying this, some of the bigger group of disciples turn back and stop following him. Take a look, John 6, 66. Uh, don't like that verse. I don't like that number. <laughs> Take a look. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Ugh, 
666. That's awfully convenient, isn't it? I hate those numbers, and I hate seeing people turn away from Jesus for fill-in-the-blank, other stuff. It's been especially hard to watch former students in youth ministry, friends from college, former leaders I've worked with, former pastors, etc., just turn away from Jesus. And do you know what I've noticed in that? Many times people are rejecting a caricature of Jesus that they saw, assuming it's the real thing. Or they see Christians not acting like Jesus. I don't remember who said it, but it was something like, I love your Jesus, but I hate your Christians. And I'm like, ah, that, I don't like that. That's why it's so important for us to keep growing every way possible, holistically in our faith in Christ, to make sure we're growing and maturing in every way possible because sometimes we're the only epistle someone's going to read. I shared this verse, Luke 2.52. I love this verse because it captures it. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. Wisdom, mental, stature, physical, favor with God, spiritual, favor with man, social, emotional, relational, right? The whole thing, Jesus grew in that. So what's our plan to grow holistically? There's a growing need in our time. You guys, hopefully, I think we know this. I think we feel this. There's a growing need in our time for a spirit-empowered resilience. For Jesus to strengthen us with his strength in our inner man so we stay on the narrow road that leads to life. So we need Jesus and his word and his people now more than ever. If you're the go-it-alone type, I want to lovingly challenge you to find some running buddies in the faith. Get connected with people who love Jesus and love you too. Don't go it alone. Remember the, the hot coals analogy? You take one hot coal, you have a whole bunch of hot coals together. How do you get the hot, hot coals to cool down? You pull one out and just set it aside and just goes out. So let's be the hot coals together. Remember Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So who do we have speaking into our lives these days? Who are we walking this journey with? Who's right alongside us? And who are we speaking into as well? So after seeing those disciples leave, and my heart's grieved by this because they're like, ah, they're just, they don't get what Jesus is saying, and they're just out. They're just like, nah, I don't, no more. I don't want this stuff. Jesus turns to the 12. I'm glad that the 12 are there. I'm glad that they see this. And notice what he says to the 12, verse 67, as we kind of wrap up. Take a look, verse 67. Jesus said to the 12, you guys want to go away too? You guys want to go away? And for all his bumbling mistakes, look at Peter's response. Again, I love Peter. Take a look. Verse 68 and 69. Simon Peter answered him. Notice Simon Peter. He's got the, the full name there. Simon, who used to be Peter, new name. Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So don't you just love that? Lord, who else are we going to follow? Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Everything you say is dripping with life and the Spirit from the Father. We know in our hearts and believe that you are who you say you are. You are the Son of God. Now, why did Peter respond this way? Was it because he's so smart? <laughs> no. It's all because of Jesus and his grace. And that's the same thing for us as well. And so Jesus reminds them of this in verse 70 and 71. Take a look. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So talk about a packed section of Scripture. Man, we took that John 6 for four weeks, and I feel like that's still rushing through it. But as we wrap up today, I just want us to pause and think, okay, what is God saying to us this morning through John chapter 6? Think about that. What's he saying to your heart through this? How is he speaking? Maybe it's to remember what you were like before you came to know Christ. Maybe it's specifically to remember that so you can remember the people in your life who aren't yet believers, so you can have compassion on them, so you can pray with them with, uh, you know, specific insight, remembering to pray, remembering what it was like when you didn't know Christ. Remember, maybe it's to thank the Father for drawing us to himself and bringing us to a place where we said yes to Jesus. Maybe it's praying that God would send us to people that he's drawing so they can say yes to him as well. Or maybe it's to keep on feeding on Christ, on his person and on his words. Remember, Jesus' words are full of the Spirit and life. So how can you grow, or how can we grow in our attachment and loving obedience to Christ this week? Maybe it's finding good worship music to help us connect with him, or watching something that helps us see Christ in a new way, or reading something that helps us maybe see him in a, in a new light. I heard experiencing God's a great study. You know, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> I think that starts this week too, or next week. So uh, maybe it's stepping out the boat and trying that with a few others. So whatever it is, I just hope that our time in John 6 reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life and that his words and himself, man, he is filled with the spirit and life. And may we be too as we follow him. So let's pray, wrap up. So, Father, thank you for this section from John 6 today. Thank you that it is just, uh, just overflowing with the Spirit and life. And, Lord, you know what we need from this. So I just pray that as we go into our closing song and as we hang out together today and fellowship and eat together and just be together, Lord, that you would help us connect deeply with each other and with you. And thank you that we can look at your word. Thank you that we can sing to you. And just thank you that we're a place where you are welcome, where you can do your work among us, where you draw us further up and further in, and you make us more like you. So help us keep feasting on you, and thank you, Lord. If, if there's anyone here who doesn't yet know you today, Lord, I pray that you would draw their hearts to salvation, that whatever is getting in the way, that you would take it out of the way, and that you would show them that you are the bread of life, and that whatever they're looking to, to satisfy their deepest needs, I pray that they would see that it doesn't work and that they would put their faith in you 
and realize that you are what they need. And for the rest of us who have trusted you, thank you, Lord, that you drew us. Help us keep feeding on you. And Lord, if our relationship with you is is getting stale, if the bread is kind of old, give us fresh bread. You are fresh bread. You are teeming over with life. So help us find new and creative ways to connect with you with others. I just thank you, Lord, for our time together today. In your name, amen. Our closing verse from this morning has to do with the song. Isn't that awesome? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's from 1 Peter. And that, man, that is an awesome verse. So I just want to pray for our time. We're going to, uh, after this, we're going to, um, you know, put the chairs around tables. We have food coming out. So stay, have fun, get to know each other, have some meal together. Let me pray for our time and our food and have a great time fellowshipping. So let's do that now. So Father, thank you for a great time together today. Thank you for Uh, that we can worship you together, we can sing praises to your name. And I pray that you give us a great time fellowshipping around the table. Thank you that this is practice for what's coming when you do come back, and we're going to feast around the table with you. So help us love each other well, have a great time uh, eating and just getting to know each other better. Thank you for Dale and all the people who've prepared our food for today. Uh, Help us have a great time kicking off ministry and uh, help us just uh, enjoy you and enjoy each other. In your name, amen.